I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome back to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And today, we come back to... One of the roots, one of the pillars of the Purple Patch methodology, nutrition. It's your platform of performance, your backbone of health, your key to energy management, and a part of your evolution to optimal body composition. But it's a topic that polarizes and confuses more than that word such as Brexit and Trump. But here's the truth. With a little bit of knowledge and a pragmatic mindset, followed with a backbone of a set of simple guidelines and habits, we can move towards a repeatable and effective approach to this topic, nutrition and fueling, two different things. And our lens today as we revisit this subject is not about elite athletes. It's not about your best Ironman performance. Although we do draw lessons from those high performers, those elites, those pros, but today we focus on everyone looking for performance. Sports enthusiasts, fitness freaks, busy executives, mums looking for daily energy and vibrancy in life. An all-encompassing, back-to-basics approach to your daily eating. No quackery, no voodoo, no shortcuts. We dive into meat, potatoes and veg, nutrition, a part of your performance puzzle. Now, I think you're going to enjoy this. I think you might even get a little bit out of it. But before we get there, Let's hit up Double Trouble. First, a little squatty update, and then you can hear the jingle. So for the squatty update, now, I won't bark on about the program this week. Instead, I want to highlight something that's a little bit of a different approach that we've been using for a wide range of athletes to prepare for marathons in a rather unconventional way. And that's really leaning into multi-sport training to prepare for these run-only events. Now, the truth is that we've utilized multi-sport training to get ready for marathons for quite some years, but we've really started to lean into it more and more after the, over the last few seasons. And with continued success, I might add, across a really broad range of athlete types and athlete level. Well, this weekend, it was the New York Marathon, one of the majors. I've got to say a magical event. Thousands and thousands cheered on by hundreds of thousands through every neighborhood in New York. And... As most coaching companies would have, Purple Patch had several representatives. All of them trained for it without an obsession of running miles or even the number of runs per week. All of them utilized other disciplines to support their prep. Bike, swim, row, strength, supportive disciplines to aid with strength, cardiovascular conditioning and muscular endurance. None of the Purple Patch representative ran more than four times a week. And the longest single standalone run that I could find amongst the whole group was 16 miles. Here are a few names. Cecilia Davis-Hayes. You might remember Cecilia as one of our most incredibly time-starved athletes, but also competing at the professional level in triathlon. She's now in residency at Cornell. This weekend, two hours and 53 minutes in New York. The 45th female overall. And all of that, on her weakest leg, the run. 
She arrived at the start line this weekend following a 24-hour rotation that acts part of a residency. Second up, Ignacio Lopez Mancisido from Miami. Two hours, 48 minutes. A seven-minute PR following just a few weeks since his qualification to the Hawaii Ironman World Championships at Ironman Chattanooga. And Jordan Oida. You might remember Jordan from an episode on his marathon journey a couple of years ago and the dirty double going from Boston to Big Sur just a week apart, all using a multi-sport approach. Well, yep, he keeps getting faster. Another five-minute PR and only ever doing three runs a week. None of these athletes ever got even close to running more than 40 miles. Oh, I tell a lie. Cecilia did two weeks where she just crapped 40 miles in the week. Beyond these three, and encompassing these three, not one of the Purple Patch athletes arrived to the New York Marathon injured. Everyone came home happy. So what's the lesson? Do we have some magic recipe? Are we voodoo giants of marathon performance? Absolutely not. But the lesson is for you, is that for you to achieve a goal running race, it doesn't mean you have to dance on the thin edge of injury and pain. The benefits of cross-pollination of other disciplines is, in my opinion, too powerful to ignore. And this is why To be honest, we're working hard. We're looking to develop the next vertical squad, run only. And it's going to be for those performance and lifestyle running enthusiasts who want to break the mould of soreness and injury, but also want to achieve great personal performance, all utilising the purple patch approach. And it's coming soon, so you've got to stay tuned. But before it comes, begin to buy into the mindset that breaks that mould. Running should be fun and healthy, even for the goal-driven and ambitious. And that's my squatty update this week. Multi-sport. It's good for the brain. It's good for executive function. But it's also really good for running performance. And with that, let's move on. Let's hit it, Barry. We like the way he thinks. Serious with a wink. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes, the word of the week this week is visualization. Does it really work? Really? It's not a little bit hippy-dippy? Yes, it really works. We perform best when we believe that an outcome is possible, but also when we have a key word, familiarity. So how can we create familiarity in something that we have yet to achieve or potentially yet to experience. We can build it in our eye. We can rehearse and prepare. We build belief and automation. It never stands alone, but it can often be that familiarity development through visualization, the final connecting piece between your hard work, the training, and your performance, the event. So how best to do it? Well, there's many ways, but the key is it's got to jive with you. It's got to be something that you can buy into and set as a, here's this magic word again, habit. So I'm going to give you an example, but remember a few things. Number one, practice makes perfect. You must do this repeatedly and therefore you will improve. Number two, it can't dominate your day. Five to 15 minutes daily, quiet time. 
Number three, it's got to be personal. You must feel a connection between your goal and the rehearsal. And number four, this little activity can absolutely double as your downtime or nap. You've heard me talk about the power of napping as a component of performance enhancement and great energy in the back of the day. Well, this can be a part of it. And if while doing this, you fall asleep, great, good for you. You needed it. And if not, you're not lying there desperate to sleep. You're doing something effective that's also going to help your performance. So now, the how. Imagine that you're a runner overcoming the last miles of a half marathon and you're looking for a breakthrough performance. You've got to do the training to build up the resilience and the fitness. You've got to arrive at the start line healthy. But when it comes to the point of the race where your body and mind are asking the inevitable questions, after all, guys, great personal performances are never, ever easy. You have to be calm. You have to equip to manage, act, and believe. There can be no path in your mind that allows failure. And the best route to optimize the potential of this happening is to become familiar. And the route to familiarity beyond practice and rehearsing and training is to visualize the experience. Every day, 10 minutes. You begin in a quiet place, you close your eyes. You're in the place. The pain is swimming all over your body. I want you to rehearse the sensations, see it, but also more than that, smell it, taste it, hear it, the struggle, the battle. Experience yourself staying calm, controlling your breathing, keeping up your leg speed. You see the coke that you grab or the gel that you take from the aid station. You feel the push through the toes as you nudge over the little crest of a hill. You go through it again and again, seeing it through your eyes. But in this session, you're not done. Now, remove yourself to the external. Be in the crowd. Repeat the same process. But this time, you're watching you in action. Smell, touch, feel, hear, see. You see effectiveness, management, calm, power. From your eyes and then from the eyes of the supporters and the spectators. Over time, it becomes, what's that word again? Oh yes, familiar. And familiarity allows automation and action. It builds belief. It bridges physical preparation and overall performance. And so, visualization, powerful in its simplicity, but also, you'll be glad to know, wonderfully effective. And it is why, this week, the word of the week is visualization. But now, apropos it would seem, and not without a little cheese, here is your meat and potatoes. Yes, the meat and potatoes. And today, performance nutrition. Performance nutrition for the athlete, for the performance-driven fitness enthusiasts, and in fact, for anyone looking to thrive in work and life. What does it look like? What special diet should you follow? What's the magic pill that can provide all the results that you desire? 
Well, if you're looking to maximize training gains, optimize energy, manage body composition, I believe I can help you today, but not with some magic pill or voodoo diet, but instead with a starting framework to help develop your mindset, filter for the bullshit cracks, and best initial practices in fueling, hydration, and daily eating. And so today, we're going to do a few things. We're going to discuss the various components of nutrition that you need to consider when you approach your daily eating. We're going to highlight the key basic habits when integrating with your training. And yes, we should all train, not just athletes, because we're all athletes. And finally, we should build a simple framework of what your meal should look like in different parts of the day, all dependent on where you're at in the day and what your goals are. Simple and actionable. That's the goal. No fluff, no magic pills, and hopefully no confusion. Now, once we've got all the way through that, the meat and potatoes are done. But what we've added is the most common questions that our athletes have asked us over the course of 2019. So I'm going to do quick hit at the back end. That's going to be the questions. A cluster of quick hits just to finish the show. And hopefully we can cover off on them all. This is indeed the meat and potatoes of a most meaty show, all about nutrition. I know, a little cheesy. Oh, there I go again. All right, maybe I should shut up. Let's just get on with it, guys. Here we go. So we have to begin with the headline news. Before I get into the juicy bits, I think that I must highlight and get aligned on a few things, just you and me so that we can make sure we're shoulder to shoulder and we're talking the same language. So the first component that I think is really important is the success of what we go through today can only be achieved if you embrace the broader part of the equation. What I mean by that is that eating habits alone are not going to create success. So for all of the information, if you take it and you say, got it, actionable, I'm going to go and hit it, in addition, you must be, and this is critical, you must be first training. There's the word, training. It's different than exercise. Exercise is random. So I believe that we should all train, meaning it's structured and progressive. Random provides random results. So throughout the show today, when you hear me discuss training, I'm not referring to my pros or elite athletes or even over-obsessed Ironman athletes. We all should train. The second component, we can't miss it. Strength training or resistance training is absolutely critical for both performance, and you've heard me talk about that before, but also body composition. Strength and resistance training is critical. It's a hugely important part of the puzzle and it ties in to what we're talking about today. Thirdly, recovery. You can train, you can add resistance training, you can follow the habits that we go in, but if you are chronically overstressed because of poor sleep, lack of recovery, or a mental cognitive load, your body won't play ball. It isn't just your bad back that is caused elevated stress. It's all about those hips and belly and lack of ability to improve. You must integrate recovery, including sleep, into the puzzle. And so it is the whole puzzle. And today we are just diving into one. But I don't want you to forget training, 
recovery, strength, the overall pillars of performance, and the big picture. Just know we're dissecting and we're going to pick about that one pillar today, nutrition. The second component to get aligned on, and this is important, I am not a nutritionist. What I am is a coach, and it's a coach that's got a fair degree of experience, and I've also got a master's degree in clinical and exercise physiology, and I've worked with a broad range of high-performing athletes, and in addition, I've been really lucky to collaborate and work with many of the leading performance nutritionists around. But I repeat, I am not a nutritionist. So I bring you today my thoughts based on that experience across populations, what I know today, and my desire to distill best practices into actionable steps across all elements. And so as we go through today's session, remember that I'm your filter and maybe in some ways your guide, but I'm not trying to pretend to compete on the fine details of biochemical breakdown of probiotics in the lower intestine. You get the picture, I can carry on. This is my lens, my experience from the body of research that I know, who I've collaborated, and of course, my experience in the field. And so with all of that as backbone, I know you're desperate for me to get going. So I'm going to crack on. Step one, it would be folly to simply dive into good versus bad and do's versus don'ts. The pathway to an approach is education and aligned thinking. So there's a few things that we need to discuss first, your macronutrients, your micronutrients, and your hydration so that we can get aligned on the basics, what they are, how I see them, what their role is, and very simple lens, let's call it, on consumption choices. So we cannot go into breaking down of macronutrients without appreciating how the body is fueled. And I always love that. You've heard me talk about it a lot before. Fueling, very different than hydration. So let's first establish the macronutrients. There are three, and you've heard of them. Carbohydrates, proteins and fats. Well, of those two, in both life and training, we utilize two of them as our primary fuel sources. The first is fat. Yes, it's absolutely a fuel source and it's predominantly used at lower intensity and at rest. And it's almost limitless as a fuel source. And all of our goals, whether an elite athlete or we're sedentary, but we're looking to move to be active, I hope, all of our goals should be to use as much of this as a fuel source as possible. So when you're at rest, fat is your primary fuel source. When you're walking, fat is primary fuel source. For the trained athlete doing endurance, easy endurance work, your primary fuel source is, of course, fat. And at very high intensity, fat is still a high contributing fuel source. There's just a bigger demand from our next micronutrient, and that's carbohydrate. Carbohydrate is our high octane and critical fuel source for performance. And so at rest, carbohydrates are contributing less to our fuel source available. The demand is slower. When we're walking, it's have carbohydrates are having a lesser contribution. At easy endurance level, carbohydrates are having a moderate contribution. And then when you're working hard, the demand is high. 
And the reason that it's high is the delivery to create energy must be fast. And so therefore, at higher intensity or when you're working really hard, carbohydrates become your predominant fuel source. So those are our two primary fuel sources. And don't worry, we're coming to protein. We have fat, which is almost limitless. And then we have carbohydrate, the fuel source for the higher intensity and harder work. But that is most definitely finite. And we store carbohydrate as something called glycogen. All that is is stored form of carbohydrate. Think about it like your energy packets. It's your gasoline. And we store it in two places, in your muscle and your liver. But it most certainly requires replenishing because we don't carry that much. Now, we know that a host of bad things happen when we starve ourselves of carbohydrate replenishment, especially when we're chasing optimal performance, energy management, focus, or even body composition changes. So remember this first. No matter what your goal is, from elite world-class performance to simply improving your body composition, we must replenish carbohydrate, period. At the same time, overconsumption of carbohydrate, particularly certain kinds of carbohydrates, are massive contributors to very poor body composition, also contributing to increasing prevalence of diseases such as diabetes. But it doesn't mean as a category of food, carbohydrates are the devil. So for the performance-driven athlete, down to that busy executive or busy mum, they are critical. But we must add context. And so with those fuel sources understood, limitless fat, finite carbohydrate, and this framework, let's go through each of them one by one. Carbohydrates, fat, and then protein. So the carbohydrate, remember, finite storage. Your carbohydrate in your body provides the fuel for your brain, it's important to understand, and high-end sports performance. It is absolutely critical as a category or a macronutrient for global function and health. But we must admit here and recognize that not all carbohydrates are created equally. And so we put in context. In our daily life, our first lesson of the day, in our daily life, we should avoid what we might call the high octane and quickly processed and absorbed carbohydrates. So what are those? Those are your Coca-Colas, your candies, your Gatorades, your white bread, pasta, a lot of foods that are packaged up and easy to purchase and what I call it, pack filler. It's like the little stuff in boxes that protects your treasured purchase from Amazon. Instead, what we should aim to do on a daily basis is steer to the more robust, less processed and slower absorbing carbohydrates. They tend to be things that are whole grain, perhaps sweet potatoes, quinoa. I'm sure you know many of the options. And yes, as you will find out, you should be eating carbohydrates every single day. But you just have to eat these carbohydrates at the right time and in the right context. And so those are carbohydrates, building blocks, great, wonderful. But we want to make sure that in daily life, 
we're removing the sugary stuff, we're limiting the pastas and the white breads, and instead we're leaning into really robust sweet potato, quinoa, whole grains, really healthy, slow-absorbing carbohydrates every single day. So more to come on them, but I want you to bank that part. Second, we go to the other fuel source, fat. So fat is great. It's absolutely critical for your immune system, many of your bodily functions, and as I mentioned, a great source of fuel. But in this context, what you have to do is steer towards the right kind of fat. You see, embracing fat doesn't mean that you should get out your rewards card to your local fish and chip shop and aim for a daily dose of cod and chips. You've likely heard of healthy fats, and for good reason. The research on fats is exploding. We're going to know so much more about the role and the context and the value of fats over the coming years. But we do understand now that in the world of fats, we want to limit or avoid highly processed foods, including those that have trans fats and most saturated fats. Instead, you want to lean in and to build your diet around really healthy fats. And that's things like avocados, olive oil, flaxseed, nuts, fish. There are so many examples of healthy fats. And one more, what I think my mate Michael Concannon is probably made of, chia seeds. And we have to realize that fat is equal in its critical importance as daily carb. You need plenty of fat to function properly. And so with those two elements, we have our fuel sources predominantly covered for both sport and life. But what about the third, protein? We hear so much about it, but what's the role of protein? Well, simply put, protein is your building block of performance. You should absolutely be building your diet around protein. Now, as mentioned, carbs and fats are your fuels and they're critical to daily energy, health and performance. But your building blocks to manage energy, optimize training adaptations, allow consistency through recovery is protein. And there are a few things that are really important about protein. First, you want to have protein at every meal. Breakfast, lunch, dinners, hopefully snacks. If you can, you want protein at every meal. Just like the Golden Gate Bridge always needs to be painted to maintain its shimmer, your body consistently requires protein to rebuild and maintain muscle health and integrity. Now this begins post-workout. Consuming protein both kickstarts the recovery process as well as the adaptations that you're going to get from your hard work, but also brings down elevated cortisol and stress hormones that are associated with training. And so it isn't just muscle repair, and yes, that means adaptations, but it has a really big knock-on effect with energy stability and focus during your workday. Now, just like talking about fat and the different types of fat, from trans fats down to monounsaturated, or those healthy fats that we talk about, and in the same way that carbohydrates are not treated equally or made equally, proteins are simply made up of 20 key amino acids. Now, some foods that you choose that you associate with protein have all 20 
and they're called complete proteins. And the great example of that would be meat, animal products. But other foods don't have all 20, and that's why they're labelled incomplete. And that's not a problem. It doesn't mean they're bad foods. All it means is that we must combine with foods so that you can make up the 20 complete proteins over the course of your daily diet. Now, this is more of a challenge sometimes for people like that like to follow diets that are vegan, for example, and we'll talk more about vegans a little later in the show. But the puzzle is to make sure that at every meal you're getting proteins and over the course of the day you're getting a healthy stock of all of your key amino acids. And so that's the three macronutrients, each of them important and all of them will always be important. That's the thing to understand. Keep it in mind. Elimination of any of these three macronutrients will not produce the results you want, whether it's body composition, sports performance or energy management, particularly in the long term. So is that it? D-U-N? Yeah? Not quite. There's a couple of other important daily considerations as well. Performance nutrition goes beyond protein, carbohydrates and fat. We have to include a couple of others. The first, hydration. And let me be clear, hydration is a part of your nutrition strategy. It fits under the nutrition pillar. It is a part of your approach to both performance in sport, but also energy management and global health throughout the day. So we're not just talking about hydration during your bottle of fluids that's consumed during your training. This is wrapped up and in fact more important around that thing called life. Dehydration can ruin your performance, both your training and physical performance, but also your life performance, including your focus, your decision-making ability, and even your hunger management. Yeah, more than two or three and certainly more than 4% dehydration is going to start to leave you feeling really tired and really hungry. And guess what happens when you get really tired and really hungry? You snack, often on fatigue-inducing foods, or you have a cup of coffee that leads on to disrupting a nighttime sleep, and you surely, surely suffer in the state from the ability to focus and think clearly. And so dehydration isn't good in your day. Now, in training with hydration, it's a good idea to consume a really low carbohydrate electrolyte solution because these specialty drinks are matched to your body chemistry. And so they're designed for optimal quick absorption and they hydrate your best when you are in battle training. Personally, I prefer persistent hydration, but there are several options. But in life, you don't need sports drinks too often. Water tends to be fine. The simple habit, one to two glasses with every meal, and then sip on a water bottle between. Now, if you don't like the taste of straight water, choose sparkling. Add a squeeze of fruit such as a lemon or lime, or go to a specific hydration. I tend to use precision hydration and their hydration formula, and that's because it doesn't taste too sweet. Now, I've got to say, by the way, I'm not paid to say that. But what we should do outside of any hydration that you have during training, outside of that, you must be hitting more than two liters a day. That should be the approach. 
And it's not that much if you disperse it over the course of the day, but it is consistent and habitual. Now, before we put all of this into practice, we have to go through one standalone category of discussion. And we're going to break it apart. Fruits and veggies. All right, look, you got me in handcuffs. I know fruits and vegetables are carbohydrates, but they deserve their own category because they deliver your micronutrients. Now, delivering these micronutrients or vitamins and minerals, which assist with so many bodily functions from repair, red blood cell production, reduction of disease risk, energy focus, and so much more, we need fruits and vegetables is critical. And here's a simple mindset for you if you've got the performance lens. You cannot overdo your veggies and fruits. The vast majority of us underconsume, And I have never met anyone that's gone through decline performance because they ate too many veggies. Now what you want to do is you want to hit a wide range. Keep it simple, go by colors, but embrace a rainbow of fruits and vegetables. And we want to ensure that our fruits and vegetables contribute to every single meal that you consume and as many snacks between those meals as possible. This simple focus can be, in my mind, a key habit around you ultimately controlling your eating habits, improving your energy, heightening awareness around food, and ultimately getting greater performance. It's the first action that we have people do. Consume more fruits and vegetables. And so, part one, we have five main considerations. Your fuel, that's fat and carbohydrate. Your building blocks of life, that's your proteins. Your life energy, yes, hydration. And ultimately, your fruits and vegetables. Now, I'm sure right now, much of what I've spoken about is not news. But let's get really practical and put it into action. So here's my little guide. And as we're going through this little guide, I want to make a few assumptions. The first, let's throw a big blanket over the goals. So let's just say we want to hit off on all sorts of goals here. The first, sports performance, which is to say maximize training performance and the adaptations that we receive from them. We want our hard work to translate to results. Number two, body composition. We want tools to manage our body composition and improve it for the sake of a touch of performance and health, but also a little bit of beach body vanity. Why not, Mrs. Jenkins? Number three, global health. From disease prevention to a strong immune system and resilience, my favorite word, resilience from illness and fatigue. And finally, life performance. How to manage your energy, optimize your ability to make decisions, maximize focus and be present for your work, family, and yes, even that second training session of the day. The second assumption is that you listening are fundamentally healthy. So I'm not here prescribing anything medical. I'm assuming that you're not diabetic or an addict. And, well, you get the picture. What we're really discussing here is the big bell curve, and it is really big, of healthy, performance-minded folk. And the final assumption, thirdly, you're not keen on living like a monk. And so what we're not aiming for when I give you this recommendation is 
is converting daily eating and hydration into a second job. We're also aiming not to limit your ability to go out and eat and be social. You don't want to carry around a laptop with your eating spreadsheet, counting and weighing your calories. And we also don't want to amplify even more stress into your life with complication and heavy decisions around eating. And so with these in mind, simplification, you're fundamentally healthy, and it's a big blanket of visions of goals. Let's get practical. Matt Dixon, that's me, my quick hit guide. So we're going to begin with your most critical habit. And I bet this isn't new for you. post workout fueling. For the vast majority of people, post-workout fueling is a meal. We're going to call it a fueling meal. And you want to consume that meal within 30 to 40 minutes. Now I hear you say straight away, what about a protein recovery shake? Protein recovery shakes are great. They're great for elite athletes with massive demands of caloric replenishment or they're great as a bridge. Get the recovery process and the rejuvenation going and bridging you if it's going to be another 30 or 40 or 50 or 90 minutes before you can have that post-workout, as we're calling it today, brand new fueling meal. And so for most people, it's a meal. You want to have your meal within 30 to 40 minutes following your training. Now, the way that you build that meal Begin with protein. Remember, we talked about it, recovery, adaptations, the wonderful suppressor of cortisol and other stress hormones, cortisol being normal in training to help you perform, but not good when you're trying to focus and make decisions at work. And so build it around protein, your fueling meal, post-workout protein. Secondly, the carbohydrates. Those slow-absorbing kind, preferably. So this isn't when you're sucking down a gel or having a Coca-Cola post-workout. These are your building block types of carbohydrates. Whole grains, sweet potatoes. There's a whole bunch of really good choices. And the mission behind these is to restock the muscles, but also to prevent later massive carb cravings or retention of fat down to what I call athletic starvation. And so this time post-workout is a wonderful time for you to get many of your allotted carbohydrates in the day. The final part of the plate, then you want to add vegetables and or some fruit. Now in that department, your fueling meal following the workout doesn't want to be too high in high antioxidant foods. So in fact, this is not the meal that you want to overload with spinach or berries such as raspberries or blueberries. They are superfoods, literally superfoods, and they're key, but they're best not primed immediately post-workout. Now, let the recovery begin. Then you pile those foods into later meals in the day. The final component of this habit, the fueling meal, is hydration. Remember, two glasses with every meal. And no, you don't need any fancy sports drinks for that. So that is your first basic component. Every time you train, you want to have a fueling meal. Within 30 to 40 minutes, begin with your protein. Include some carbohydrates, the good kind, please. And finally, pile on the veggies or the fruit. And don't forget the hydration. Okay, good. What about the second type of meal? Well, 
we're going to call this fuel for the day. You see, beyond exercise and training, it's absolutely critical. And this is the part that might surprise you a little bit, but it's critical to start your day and set yourself up with the nutrients and energy to keep you stable. I love that word, stable, in focus, energy management, and food choices throughout the day. And so going into the workday in starvation is not the route to performance. Now, sometimes this meal, the fuel for the day meal, is the post-workout fueling meal. If you get up and you train in the morning, and then it's your fueling meal, that's it. But if you're working out at lunchtime, you need to have a meal, and it's built like this. It should begin with your building blocks. You start with the protein. You anchor your meal around this. Secondly, add your carbs. Yes, you're adding carbohydrates again. And yes, it's the slow-absorbing types. Then you're getting those veggies or fruits, and in this occasion, it's the whole rainbow of choices are on the table. And finally, another reminder for a good dose of hydration. Now, within this meal, you can include some fat. It's going to help satiate you. Oh, and a word, as this meal is fueling for the day, I would also add that coffee and tea are absolutely fine. If number one, you enjoy it, and number two, they don't play havoc with your energy management. It's morning time. It's not going to disrupt your sleep. So the third meal, you've got two meals now. The first, post-workout fueling. And so we called that your fueling meal. The second is fuel for the day. You're setting yourself up for stable energy throughout the day. The third meal is what we're going to label your health meal. This is your final meal, and it's one that is anchored in mindset around health, restoration, and your building blocks. And it's remarkably simple. Now, as we dive into this meal, I think it's important to realize that for this project to be successful, you have to have adhered to the post-workout fueling and also, if applicable on the day, to the fuel for the day meal. If you've achieved these two components, what's happened if you have got close to or at your allotment for needed replenished carbohydrates? Do you remember at the top of the show we said finite? We've got those finite carbohydrates replenished via your fuel for the day and or your post-workout fueling meal. And with that done, you shouldn't be in starvation. You have replenished your finite sources that you need to have on every single day, whether you're exercise or not. And so how do you build a health-focused meal? Well, it begins again with your building blocks, protein. It's going to be central. You should build it around. It is your central character on the dinner plate. Now, in this meal, the health meal, you shouldn't be eating it near a workout or training, as I should quite rightly call it, and you're not eating it to fuel the day. In other words, it's not going to be breakfast. And so pretty much it's going to be your lunch, if you exercised or trained in the morning, or even more likely, your dinner. And so you have allowed yourself to have a very low focus on carbohydrates. And so you can replace those carbohydrates that are now removed with a pile of veggies and fruit protein that's going to have some fat, a little bit of olive oil or avocado, and piles of veggies and fruit. Oh, and don't forget, what are you forgetting? 
That's right, hydration. But this time, there's no coffee. And also a little caution, especially for our older folks, on too many fluids late in the evening. Because sleep disruption via multiple pee breaks is not, as you might appreciate, a performance enhancer. So there you have it, three meals. Your fuel for the day, your post-workout fueling, and your health meal. And so what does it look like? Well, let's give you an example. You get up in the morning, you have your fuel for the day. Protein with some carbohydrates and some veggies or fruit. Then at lunchtime, you do and do a workout, you train. So what do you have after that? A meal that is focused around post-workout fueling. And then at dinner, you have your health meal. But what about if you work out in the morning? Okay, you get up, you train, and then you have your post-workout fueling. Now at lunchtime, some, some will be able to have a health meal. But if you have a second workout in the afternoon or evening, or if you need the actual caloric support, and then you might have a meal that's designed for fuel for the day so that you can be at your best in the afternoon. But in either case at lunchtime, then at dinner, you have a health meal. Pretty simple. Good. We're almost there. So let's just cover off on a couple of other aspects. Snacks. Snacks, a good thing. General rules. Number one, focus on proteins and fruits and veggies. Number two, if your training load is really high, or if you have a hard time getting enough calories to support, add a little bit of carbohydrate. And thirdly, drink a glass of water with a snack. There's your hydration again. Secondly, alcohol. What do you want? You want the truth or the party line? Well, I'll tell you what, let's do both. So I think we have to appreciate that alcohol, as social as it is for many people, adds calories. Those calories, carbohydrate. And typically, those calories will be consumed in and around a health meal that we want to be low in carbohydrate outside of our fruits and veggies. Okay, we acknowledge that. We also should acknowledge that more than probably one to some people, maybe, maybe two glasses of wine or beers will absolutely interrupt your recovery and sleep. And so we have those two acknowledgements, but you are a social being. And so how do we, if you love having a glass of wine or some beer, how do we integrate it into life? Well, first, my tip, try and limit or eliminate it during the week. It is, I promise you, massive for energy and alertness. You also want to really retain awareness and honesty. And if you do that, when you integrate it as a part of the joy, with the acknowledgement of above, you can enjoy it without guilt. And so when appropriate, if you love it, enjoy it. Everything in moderation, including excess. But it's there and you have to be cautious. And the final component, coffee and tea. No, they are not diuretics. All they are is less preferable hydration sources. But the good news is that caffeine helps the recovery process. It helps the absorption of those carbohydrates. But you should only consume caffeine if it doesn't impact energy management and sleep. 
And so, typically, those meals that are designated fuel for the day or post-workout fueling are good. Take caffeine with it. But you should absolutely eliminate it from those health-based meals. So there you have it. All of your considerations and makeups of a meal plate, putting them into action by knowing the type of meal that you're eating, always supported with a little hydration, and collectively a really simple baseline to approach performance nutrition. Now, if you nail this and you become familiar, then it's all about a word that I just mentioned, number one, honesty. You have to hold yourself to account. You've got to retain positive habits and honest execution of what we discussed today. You also have to remind yourself that it's equally about stress management. Supporting the eating habits with enough downtime, sleep and rejuvenation is going to tip the system into the ability to thrive and out of that hyper-stress mode. And finally, yes, friggin' training. It only works in conjunction with really consistent training. And folks, especially for all you poor postured and super weak triathletes out there, that includes resistance training or strength and conditioning as many of you call it. It is the recipe that brings you success over time and it is lasting in positivity. And so with that, my bet if you've got some questions. And here are the most common questions we've had. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and I'm going to try and hit it really quick. Now, I left the names off of each of these questions because they've come in from multiple people, but let's go. One through 10. I kind of need a partner in crime here to read these, but I might have to just read them in a different voice. Here we go. Okay, you ready, folks? Number one. Can you be an endurance athlete and a vegan at the same time and perform at a high level? The answer to that, absolutely. Absolutely. Is being a vegan a catalyst to extreme high performance and a performance answer? I don't believe so. The challenge is it's more complicated for you. You have to be really aware. You have to track things. You have to make smart decisions. It is an engagement and intention into becoming a vegan. And in fact, for many people, that's part of the performance gains they feel. They get really focused on building blocks of nutrition and particularly protein across multiple fuel sources or food choices that they actually start to eat really, really well and therefore feel great. And so if you want to be vegan because of ethical reasons, it's great. Go ahead, do it. But if it's not for ethical reasons and you think it's a voodoo magical pill, I'm not so sure. But absolutely, because remember, vegan should be piles and piles of fruits and vegetables, just what we talked about. It just takes a little consideration of where you're getting your proteins from. Question number two. What do you think of super low-carb diets or carnivore diets? Not a good thing for endurance athletes. Is there some really, really interesting research around higher fat and keto diets, particularly around diabetics? Yes. Is there a role for a shift in having lower starchy carbohydrate and sugars in our diet and shifting to a greater emphasis of fat and fruits and vegetables? Absolutely. And that is checked off on our show today. But eliminating carbohydrate or going super low for a magic pill, 
Not for me, not for endurance performance-minded people. Number three, is diet soda a good solution compared to normal soda? I often love the bubbles and the taste. The answer, no, it is not a good alternate. In fact, many would argue it's worse. If you want a Coke, drink a Coke. The chemicals in diet soda trick the body and they end up causing a symptom, what I would call athletic starvation. And so with that, it's shown in research that often people that are utilizing diet soda to try and eliminate calories end up having worse challenges with body composition than those people that are even utilizing too much soda in the first place. Diet soda should be labeled diet poison. Remove it. Remove it. Number four, what training sessions do we do in which we don't need to consume calories? Here's a simple one. Every single session under 60 minutes, you don't need to consume calories. Sessions under 90 minutes, you sometimes need calories. Over 90 minutes, you're nearly going to always need calories. Some context behind there, but it's quick hit, so I'm going to go with that. Number five, I get so sick of sweet performance fuel in every session. Are there any alternatives? There absolutely are. Remember what we talked about today, lower stress endurance training, Fat is the predominant fuel source. You only need to take all of those high-performance fuels during high, high high-intensity hard work. Outside of that, utilize real food. Utilize fuel sources from multiple sources, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. It's only stressful and you only demand the high-octane gels and blocks and chews and sports drinks during high-intensity training. Number six, I get cravings in the afternoon every workday. Any tips? Yes, absolutely to that. If you're getting cravings in the afternoon, it's quite simple. You're probably not having enough calories or enough supportive carbohydrate and protein in your fuel for the day, first breakfast of the day, and also your post-workout fueling. So the place I would do is add some calories in the post-workout fueling. Make sure you're doing it first, but also add calories. You can also add morning snacks between breakfast and lunch. If you get that opportunity, you should then feel in control and be more satiated to be able to make appropriate food choices as well as the amount of or the size of portions during that afternoon. Number seven, I tend to get sleepy in the afternoon. What can I do there? Well, that's related to two things. Number one, potentially hydration. And number two, it's also related to a drop in core temperature. It's a wonderful time to choose a hot drink, but hopefully not caffeinated. Hot water with lemon, mint tea, ginger tea, whatever it is that can raise core temperature, that in turn will raise alertness. So hydration and hot liquids. Number eight, three to go. What do you think of post-workout recovery shakes as a full meal replacement? I don't think of them as full meal replacements. Post-workout recovery shakes, as mentioned, are wonderful bridges to your post-workout meal. But go real food first as much as you can. We want our building blocks to come from all of those components. And so post-workout shakes are great. They're really great. And they're great for elite athletes or high volume training athletes that are piling in calories from really hard sessions. And they're equally great 
for people that are going to have a longer than anticipated window between finishing the workout and getting that post-workout fueling meal. And so you use it as a bridge. And guess what? You're never going to need to count calories if you integrate that and then have the post-workout meal. As long as you're having a health meal at the end of the day, you'll be in fine fiddle, I promise you. And the final two questions. What do you think is the most critical aspect of an eating plan for both performance and body composition? Well, I think that the most important component is everything we've talked about today, but I can't say it enough. It must be combined with training. And so training by itself is not going to move you towards body composition. At the same time, nutrition by itself is not going to make you a high-performing person. Combine it with training and particularly strength training. You must be doing overload. And that only amplifies, headline news guys, it only amplifies for the more mature person who's moving on in age and women, particularly women in their 40s and above. Strength training, strength training, strength training. And the final question of the day probiotics. What do you think of probiotics such as kombucha? Well, there's a few. We should add more to our kombucha. We can say kombucha or kefir or kefir, as the Americanos would say. Um, kimchi, sauerkraut is another good source. Yogurt is a good source. Probiotics. There's a lot of interesting research around this, and it's all about the flora in the gut, and there tends to be almost resounding movement towards these things being really really good on a daily basis in fact you could argue that we should open this up as another category but yes is the answer daily consumption really good stuff and in fact if you travel a lot my last tip for today but if you travel a lot this is a good thing to integrate in your diet particularly on arrival really helps with supporting immune system and so yes you don't need to get it in a pill but those naturally occurring elements such as kombucha or kimchi or sauerkraut, good stuff to have. Probiotics, two thumbs up from me. And so it wasn't just question of the day. It was 10 questions of the day today. As I promised, quite a meaty episode. I hope you enjoyed. I know it's impossible to cover everything. But go back and listen. Simple meals, your health meal, the one that's designed to help you build you up functionally. Then there's your fueling meal designed to replenish the calories and kickstart recovery. And then your fuel for the day. Remember our parents, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It is. Carbohydrates are your friend, just the right type. Yes, you can be vegan. You just have to think about it. Fat is a great thing, but not too much. And piles and piles of fruits and veggies. I hope it helps. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers! <laughs>